Mama. I'm Gosha Scarrot, and this is the Firestarter Mom podcast, the show where we feature inspiring conversations with Firestarter moms and experts on motherhood identity shift, finding our inner firebug, and feeling adequate and empowered as moms and women. Welcome. Have you ever wondered if there is a way to find your inner light and empowerment during the challenging postpartum period? How to reconnect with yourself and overcome postpartum depression? If you have ever grappled with these questions or know someone who has, this episode is for you. Joining me today is Kelsey Gower, a transformational coach who has a profound personal story of transitioning into motherhood, overcoming severe postpartum depression and ultimately finding her inner light. Kelsey, with her background as a nurse, brings a unique perspective and expertise to the conversation. In this episode, we will explore Kelsey's journey from darkness to light, the practical strategies she recommends for moms to find their inner strength during the postpartum period, the importance of emotional well-being and self-care, and the mindset shifts that can empower moms. We offer here empathy, understanding, and comfort to moms who may feel isolated, thinking there is no one who truly comprehends what they are going through. We confront common misconceptions, inviting you to delve into the eye of the hurricane that postpartum depression can be. We will also discuss the vital role of support and community in this transformative process. Ready to dive into this candid conversation? about empowering moms through postpartum transformation. Let's get started. Hello, Kelsey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I'm really excited to welcome you and our conversation uh, about the topic that, again, I think is uh, very relatable, but could be a little bit like taboo or not really seen in the light. And we are talking about the postpartum depression and transformation through that and all those difficult feelings that, let's be honest, as moms, we really experience and vulnerable conversation about this gives just incredible permission to see and accept your own feelings um, and obviously so much more beyond that. So thank you uh, for, for being here and being willing to share your perspective, your learnings, and your, of course, your own story. Tell me, Kelsey, how has been your day so far? Day has been okay so far. Struggling with a migraine, so it's a little rocky, but we're here. <laughs> All right, here. migraine. Yes, you know, I have a friend who has been uh, really struggling for, for some times with that. Um, yes, does it affect a lot of like your day and how you actually are uh, your mood or you you found some ways of managing it um all of the above I would say I have a history of ignoring my body when I have things to get done and usually it results in a migraine and that's what I have been doing this week just trying to get things done my babe turns two next week so we're just running around like a chicken with our head cut off and it's forcing me to slow down and take a nap so I took a nap earlier this morning and now I'm here and we're powering through. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, I believe that in any challenging experience feelings, there is the, the light, right? 
there is dark side and there is light side in anything. So uh, sometimes, yeah, there are those messages um, like you mentioned, oh, I, I just I just went to sleep. Then helped you in a way kind of maybe restore some part of you that needed restoring. Uh, maybe migraine mm-hmm. sometimes is a, is a signal. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's interesting to look at this like both ways. Right. So how I like to start the episode is diving into that transition into motherhood. So can you tell us a bit about who you were before becoming a mom? Yeah. 90 miles an hour all the time. I was an anxious person, which I knew I was, but I just moved on past it. And I was in management for hospice as a hospice clinical director, uh, working a lot of hours, not realizing it in the moment that I was working that much until she came along. And I was like, okay, I don't want to work that much, you know, kind of 24 seven on call. And, you know, just always worried about what's coming next and not focusing on what I was doing in the moment and enjoying it. It was a lot of, oh, if I do this, then this will come. Or, you know, worrying about the next step a year, two or five down the line. Just overhaul, overwhelmed and never stopping to appreciate what I have and enjoying life for what it is. And what was important to you? So when you look at your identity, did you, how did you see it? Did you define yourself by what you were doing or by some other things, by your values perhaps, or? That's a good question. I would say probably in that moment was more of what I was doing. How much was I working and how much do people see me do that? Um, and I never really turned internally to recognize who, who I actually was and what I wanted to do. I just thought I was doing what everyone around me was doing and that was work hard work long hours and show up whether you want to or not and then she came along and it opened me up to that is not who I am (laughs) right tell us more about this what happened when you became mom yeah didn't happen right away it it took about a year and a half to realize all of the stuff I went through when I became a mom, um, as far as transformation and just understanding all of the darkness that I was in, because when you're in the heart of it, it is really hard to see on the other side or the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever metaphor you want to use. But when I became a mom, it was, you know, you have this mirror looking at you, you're looking in a mirror, essentially, or you're watching your baby repeat your mannerisms and the more worked up you get your baby's going to get worked up and I didn't realize how much of a ticking time bomb essentially that I was Um, I would store things and then eventually one tiny little thing would be said or happen around me and I would burst out into either anger or crying it was usually crying and I started to realize she would replicate that back and it's like okay I could have avoided all of this so then it just opened up a lot of curiosity as to why is she constantly screaming? But if I am able to manage myself, check in with my body and recognize that just taking a few deep breaths before responding to what she's doing, I'm able to, to calm myself in turn, co-regulate with her positively, which now I can say that clearly in the moment, that's not how it all felt. I had intrusive thoughts. I had severe depression. I didn't know how to ask for help. 
And so it opened me up to just really hunker down and figure out how to work through everything I used to do before she got here and then do everything I did for her plus all of that. And then about six months postpartum, I just broke down and was like, I I need to out of this darkness. I can't keep doing this anymore. It's not serving her. It's not serving me. It's not serving my husband. It's not serving anyone around me to continue to just be this ball of anger and depression. And I, I literally did not recognize myself. But again, it wasn't until about 18 months in that I realized that, that I just lost myself and was just kind of, kind of on autopilot, essentially. Yeah, just, just one that I think is so important to explore those emotions that we are going through. When you reflect back, what kind of emotions were the most troubling and triggering for you then? Internally, for me, it was just holding on to frustration that nobody knew what I was thinking and couldn't do it for me. I had to speak that, but I didn't know how to speak that. So it's almost like I wasn't being seen or heard, but I wasn't speaking. (laughs) So there was no way for anybody to, you know, answer my needs or support me in whatever it was that I needed. It was a lot of resentment towards myself for not speaking up and resentment towards others for not just reaching out and offering, but I wasn't asking for anything either. And it was just a lot of anger for all the things that your body naturally knows how to do when you have a baby, but your mind doesn't understand the birthing process when you're a logical overthinker. And then all of that happens to you. That's kind of where the anger began was the birthing process. Being a nurse, I mean, I I should have, I feel like I should have known, and I use air quotes there, I should have known how all of the birthing process was going to work and what my body was going to do and how it was going to respond. And then I should have known that depression is a thing postpartum and just a lot of resentment and a lot of anger around all of that and all the changes that happened that, again, I could have resourced myself with then, but I I didn't know the severity of the changes and transformation that can happen and did happen. You mentioned also intrusive thoughts. What, what's, what mm-hmm. kind of thoughts were they? They were very graphic, very vivid, felt like real life. And I don't want to traumatize any, any listeners on your podcast mm-hmm. by giving exact, but if you Google intrusive thoughts, it will tell you um, a lot of them are about stairs, knives, mm. and water are like the three common. So, you know, just just picture the worst thing that could happen to your baby in reference to those. And that is an intrusive thought. Mine involved throwing and knives were later. They didn't mm. come until about a year, year and a half. And it's within my mind, it's almost like it's just a horror film playing on repeat in that one scene that you can't do anything for the actors in that scene other than just sit there and watch it. Um, and it felt so real and like it was happening, but it was not. And I knew it wasn't. I knew she was safe. I knew I was safe. There well, was logically, no... you obviously knew that, you know, this yeah. was happening, but your your body, that that emotion, emotions uh, were taking over. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep, Absolutely. You know what, uh, something that I definitely experience uh, quite 
vividly um, in, in first months after my daughter was born is that overwhelming sense of sadness because, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw you talking about uh, the aspect of motherhood being really isolating as well. Isolation as mm-hmm. a feeling, yeah. And I, I definitely resonate with this because uh, at one point you stay uh, at home, like me, uh, on your own for such a long time, mm-hmm. going from someone who is who believed she was a go-getter, goal after goal, achieving and things like mm-hmm. that. And then everything just stopped suddenly. I think that <clears throat> transition from doing into not doing, <laughs> I think that mm-hmm. specific point of transition is extremely difficult for so many moms. And I think because it's so difficult, it almost, you kind of crawl into shell, if I could compare mm-hmm. uh, the, the feeling. And yeah, and then there is the sadness. The, so I really remember then over time, that sadness kind of lifted like a fog but I think mm-hmm. um I've noticed if if I don't create like balance uh, so uh, when it comes to time spent with my daughter so for example if I was to be like 100 uh, percent stay-at-home mom so all days I think mm-hmm. I I really would massively struggle with this I well I, I knew that I was struggling so I I just made some changes and and you know started to do some work just to kind of she she can go to childminders and things like that so I, so mm-hmm. that balance was there but so when you reflect on your story what would you say were just some some sort of like turning points that led you to actually decide that you are going to change what you are going through that you are going to move from the darkness into light mm-hmm well, there was one exact turning point where I decided I'm going to go get help, whatever that is. Um, and I was in the car pumping on the way to work, another, a different management position. I had three or four calls that had already come through in like a 30 minute time span. And I had had to get her up earlier to get in earlier. And it was just a lot of things leading up to this. And I was on the car ride in and it, it was about an hour of drive in to and fro. So two hours out of my day as a mom from her. Um, and it just, it hit me like a freight train and I just started bawling. Like I have to do something. I can't, I can't continue to give my energy to people that don't necessarily appreciate me when I have this life that I just created and still long to connect with her because I didn't really feel like I did in that first three months, whatever maternity leave length I had, because I was in such a shell, like you had said. And I had reached out a a good friend of mine was a nurse coach just recently. So I reached out to her, what can you do? I've seen your posts about anxiety and just, you know, working with your mind, connecting it to your body. I would love to figure out how to, you know, live in the present moment and not worry about the next step because I realize now that I'm missing what's happening in front of me, that I have literally spoken to the universe. I want a child, all the things, and I have it, but why am I still so anxious about what's happening next? And so I, I hired her immediately, worked through that three month process. And now about nine months or so, I would say it's been about nine months. 
I now have a new coach that works with nervous system stuff. Um, so it kind of piggybacks off of her. So that was another time point. We kind of just fell into each other's lives and it has been organic since we just have conversations about, you know, nervous system and realizing that growing up, I had to regulate my nervous system in a certain way to stay safe or what my mind thought. And a lot of those were what I was doing when I had her because I was so out of balance, dysregulated, whatever word you choose to use there, because I didn't know what was happening with my body. I didn't understand all the mental changes that were happening. Nobody spoke intrusive thoughts, explained that that's what that was. So for a year and a half to two years, I went with these things happening and never had a definition, which I'm a very black and white. Just tell me one time and I'll understand. Okay, that's fine. We can move on. But if I don't know, I just do and stew. So it was those two women that I fell in line and connected with that just held space for me. And so it's choosing and speaking, I think, to the universe or your spirit or God, whoever it is that you believe in, that you need help. I don't choosing and saying that you don't want to be in this position anymore. And then trusting that whatever sign comes to you and following it, that's the other pieces and following it is going to serve you, whether it's to serve you in this moment, or it's setting you up to serve you later, to be able to come back to whatever, whatever you gain from that. So uh, something makes me think that you, well, you describe yourself like, like a logical person Mm -hmm. in general, like before becoming mom. Um, So (laughs) Sorry, were you like overthinking or, or just maybe breaking down, analyzing in your mind at any point that is this a depression? Did you try to kind of find answer? Well, is it something that is more mental or maybe that is just a hormonal thing? Did you try to kind of understand the source of what you are feeling this yeah. way? Yeah, good question. When the first intrusive thought came in, it was day four postpartum is like the second day we had gotten home and I knew something was not right. I took the screening form that they send you home with and it was high on the depression scale. So I had reached out, got an appointment that following day, um, following morning and they screened me again. It was still high. Not much changes in 24 hours when you have that severe of a reaction and they had offered some counseling just a pamphlet packet. It did not feel in alignment. It felt cold to just receive a folder and say, okay, go talk to another stranger about this scary thing. There was a lot of fears. That's why I didn't reach out to those individuals that they had recommended up front, right out the gates. Um, There's a lot of fear that she was going to be taken from me. There was fear that I was going to get, you know, heavily medicated or put in a nutty house or whatever. Um, There's just a lot of fears, which rightfully so as a new mom, you're already anxious because now you have this human relying on you. Um, But then you also have to protect yourself too. And it's it's a balancing act. I didn't feel that was right at the time. So I just kind of, I had people, I had my sister, I had my husband, I had people I could lean on and talk to. I thought I was talking to, I wasn't as open as I could have been, but I did. My physician had diagnosed me with postpartum mood disturbance. Um, And she shared a story about herself, which in the moment 
it, it was nice to hear that I wasn't alone, but it, it didn't help. It didn't move me through what I was working on. It just validated that these things happen and I'm not yeah, alone. So, you see, the reason I'm asking that is um, myself as a, as a logical person, uh, very analytical. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um, I definitely was trying to understand in my mind the idea whether first off whether this is depression that I'm going through because I experience sadness I really just don't really enjoy it mm-hmm. and don't enjoy as much as I maybe um, expected but I think that overwhelming sense like I told you earlier of, of of sadness and that kind of like you hide in the shell I've, I felt mm-hmm. that okay that is something that I, I don't want to feel in a way but I try to um, maybe find answer in my mind whether it is depression or not. But, um, and of course, I, I called GP to talk about this, specifically my kind of like moods. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, because I remember that uh, every time before my period, I would, I would just not recognize myself. It was such a mood swing mm-hmm. that just beyond, <laughs> beyond something that yeah. I ever knew about myself. But because I was very into... You know, I come from coaching uh, kind of background. I've been coached for quite a few years and from mm-hmm. personal development. So for me, it was um, kind of very natural that, oh, I, I just want to put together some group for moms, support groups. I, I run some well-being uh, networking for moms in a local park. Mm-hmm. I even put together like some sort of little course. And because I was active in this and I mentioned this to uh, GP um, and I was I was definitely out there just just going for for those boring walks every day <laughs> and you know all this yeah. stuff and <laughs> and basically you know you you just wouldn't think that on the outside that I kind of really struggle uh, with with mood that I am not really that happy um, but because because I think that's the problem with uh, any sort of like seeking help I don't know if you agree that you know, uh, GP in UK, mm-hmm. they are not specialists. They they actually really know minimum. And they so they, based on what you are saying, they say, no, no, they, it doesn't look like, you know, uh, if depression would stop you from coming out of the house even, th- then we would label it as depression. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, you go out and stuff. And I think this is such a, like every single mom I speak to, or most moms, they, especially when they reflect, uh, on motherhood now they they say yeah I probably had depression so they, there was a lot of um, kind of assumption that for them that you know they they were going from some sort of perhaps mild or, or more severe depression but that feeling that element of it, it was always there for for mm-hmm. practically every single mom I speak to so I think uh, sometimes we looked at uh, maybe label to um, have just some sort of maybe comfort in what we are going through, because at least we know where we are and what to do about this. But if no one is giving mm-hmm. us that label, then we kind of left feeling like we feel we are not mm-hmm. told that actually this is depression or anything. And you just like, and you just carry on, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that that is my a little bit of my story in terms of like, you know, I recognize certain um, difficult feelings and, emo- and emotions, uh, but on the other hand, you know, I just found my ways to connect to people, but it didn't cancel, you know, certain feelings. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's quite interesting. Like, I try to understand also in my mind, like, oh, is it like hormonal thing? 
Is it just literally chemically imbalance that they feel on a physical level or is it the mental thing? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why I asked this question because I literally was, was trying to understand this in my head. Like, mm-hmm. where am I with this? How do you, with now understanding what depression is in general, not only for your story, but for how you work with clients and, and your own kind of education around that, how do you reflect on, on that aspect? Gosh, I really catch, try to catch my breath. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I have been doing more and more learning now as far as, you know, depression, postpartum more specifically, but in general. Um, and I feel like a lot of individuals, especially postpartum moms, especially the two, the logical and the overachieving, always doing something and then life stops. And then it just goes back to normal, you know, after maternity leave, whatever length of time that is, the way that they combat, like with your physician said, since you're going out, it's probably not depression. I mean, I was outside of my home more than I was at home because that felt better because it felt like I was doing something. So I think you don't necessarily have to have a label. And if it is longer than two weeks ish, two days to two weeks, I think is what they labeled the baby blues as. Um, I just recently Gosh, watched a webinar that talked about so that. Baby blues. Same. Yeah. It w- uh, yeah. It was like twitch every, every time they talked about that, but that time frame, two days to two weeks is, you know, the emotional crying sadness. But then if it extends, typically it's more under the depression scale which makes sense. And I feel like more instances than not, especially in today's society, that's so fast paced and not a lot of people pause and just sit for a minute. That depression is probably going to continue to raise. So Kelsey, can you perhaps share with us some actionable strategies that you would recommend to moms in this situation, going through some postpartum challenges or depression uh, just to help them take the first step toward finding the inner light. Yes, I would love to. The biggest one that I used was, you know, checking in with your body, doing a quick body scan, um, whether it's closing your eyes or keeping them open, and then breathing into, taking a deep breath into any area that is off kilter or tense, um, getting outside to walk or even just walking around your house. Um, If you're starting to feel overwhelmed or saddened while you're sitting, Um, all these things that I'm saying can be done with your baby or while you're doing other things as well, which I know is super important to moms. Um, And then the third is just working on getting your thoughts out, whether that's talking into a voice memo on your phone or um, even just writing out thoughts, kind of like a brain dump. Whether you look back at it or not, that's okay. Um, It's just the act of releasing some of that energy out of your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you um, think of that emotional well-being aspect and self-care, I wonder if there are any maybe specific self-care practices that uh, moms could adopt during postpartum just to support that emotional well-being. Of course, breathing, going for a walk. Yes, that is a very, very much like self-care, but perhaps something that you found very um, helpful 
and it's not so obvious something that maybe we have not heard yet about yeah I think for me it was just the ability to get out of the house and get pampered a little bit um so you know a nail appointment or a pedicure that was important to me um it made me made me feel like I was a person a human a woman again Mm -hmm. um and even if you know it's once every few months uh, take that time for yourself to step away for an hour and just have some peace and freedom and if you need to take your babe with you that is absolutely okay because I did that many times too um it's just find something that feels right for you it may be trial and error it was getting my nails done for me wow that's that's really interesting because uh, just at first kind of when I when I hear it, it seemed to be so so simple mm-hmm. and something that just many of us would discard like oh gosh yeah no yeah go, go and have a pamper day or spa yeah we've had this like a hundred times you know and we kind of like want, mm-hmm. want like different answer maybe more deep more insightful and and so on but actually what you just said about this is quite powerful because you, you said this that it helped you feel like an adult, like a human again, is not actually, oh, I just want to feel good because I have nice nails is so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I feel I know what you mean, because I remember my very first trip to Tesco, I think it was literally mm-hmm. maybe two weeks um, since giving birth. I, I remember that I really struggled even to sit in a car because um, everything had so much um, after my eventful birth. And for me, trip to Tesco it was really actually profound mm-hmm. because I wanted to go on my own. And I, that was for me that kind of trip that I actually felt for a very first time like like someone who is is back amongst uh, just a real, mm-hmm. real kind of humans or something like this, like really weird, really feeling. And, and deep inside, I was thinking that, wow, like everything feels completely different. Like the mm-hmm. life and surroundings and people and even shop itself. It's just like, I don't know, like I came back to life or something like this. I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah, it's actually so simple, but only we know internally what it really mm-hmm. means to us. And I think that is the key in in any self-care, isn't it? Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a beautiful story too. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So uh, if we move on maybe to like mindset shifts, because you are a transformational coach, right? So transformational coach is a bit different than life coach or therapist, Uh, Can you just tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more, what's the difference? Yeah, transformational coaches focus more on kind of jumping into the deep end of a human. Um, We see people as whole beings. And instead of, you know, you come to me with one goal and we focus on just that goal, start to finish until it's achieved and you move on. It's more of a deeper level. It's you know, maybe you have a goal to live in the present moment, but really your deeper goal is to heal your depression and heal generational cycles beyond that. Um, there's usually a why behind a why. That's usually what a transformational coach will find out through 
repetitive sessions with with a client yeah as a transformational coach you have likely encountered some various mindset shifts i believe that kind of spark some sort of sense of empowerment for your clients i wonder if you can share a few key mindset shifts that moms can work on to change their perspectives and of course um, feel more empowered during that most challenging postpartum journey yeah i think the biggest theme that i often hear is i can do it all by myself belief that we go into motherhood with and along with that various mindset shifts come out when when moms realize that we don't have to do everything alone the world used to be built as it takes a village there is beauty and in independence but there's also beauty and community um, and recognizing and allowing your mind to shift into that community thought process and recognize I can't be 50 places 100% of the time. I have to divvy up that 100% to each area, which area is more important to focus on and allowing our minds to kind of just accept that maybe I'm showing up for me at 80% so I can be a little extra for my child today because they're having big emotions and I'm going to give myself back some self-care tomorrow when we get big emotions regulated. Those mindset shifts around that one theme that I see often of I can do it all by myself is it's okay to ask for help um, and just, you know, empowering clients to realize that it is okay from their own perspective and finding what feels right for them in navigating that, learning to find their voice, learning to be confident in their voice. Um, I heard on a podcast by Ed Milet, breaking promises to yourself says you don't love yourself enough. You wouldn't do that to other people you love. So why do you do it to yourself? That was just a summary of what he had said. But I think it's really important um, in motherhood as well to think about that. You wouldn't break promises to your child. So why are you going to do that to yourself? So if it means asking your partner for help doing dinner, because there were a lot of big emotions with your child today and you're exhausted, that's okay. Leaning into that mindset that it's okay, I'm human, and I'm going to survive asking for help. Hopefully that that lands with somebody um, or yeah. even lands with you, Kasha. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what? I um, uh, you mentioned all those myths. I basically, Google like some sort of like ideas for like what are the biggest misconceptions around uh, postpartum mm-hmm. depression? Because I think it's such a there are so so many. It's almost like it's impossible to even explore the topic and talk openly about this without referring to okay, what are the actual statistics about depression and what are some sort of total complete like lies around the topic i just wanted to bring some and i wonder how how you kind of if you agree as well mm-hmm. so one of this is that postpartum depression only occurs immediately after childbirth which is actually not the case i was reading that mm-hmm. when your child is i think four years four years old that is the peak that's what i was reading for actual mm-hmm. depression i don't know if you know any sort of data around that I haven't heard any data around the four-year peak yet, but mm. that doesn't mean that that's not a thing. Usually what I've what I've seen and heard, it's anywhere from, you know, zero days to two years. Um, but I'm sure now that 
we're shedding light on this dark topic and maybe those that are at two or three years postpartum are just now coming forward. So that could be where that peak is coming from. Yeah, um, I feel, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I can see that. Yeah, or that hormones are the sole cause of postpartum depression. Absolutely not. I think that is something that, mm-hmm. um, if anything, I actually was definitely not even thinking about hormones. Like I didn't uh-huh. even think about this. I was thinking purely about uh, mindset and and uh, that those mental aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Also, that postpartum depression is solely characterized by extreme sadness. Now that is just laugh for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Well, and we were talking today about this. Or of course, it will go away on its own without an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, a giggle one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or seeking help for because that's that's the stigma I think around postpartum depression that I think is still perceived as something that is a weakness in a way that people without knowing that there is actually aspect a hormonal aspect um, or like like other aspects right and. That is not to say that you are weak and oh that mom is stronger because she didn't go through it. Um, and I think that completely not understanding that make, makes people who are not like educated or informed about postpartum mm-hmm. depression make them actually create those misconceptions. What would you say to that? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I yeah, I think it's probably those that have never experienced it or have been around those that have experienced it that probably create those those misconceptions for sure because it you can squash it until it's way deep down but one day it's gonna come out you know there's it's it doesn't ever go away I don't think yeah or another thing that I read is like talking about postpartum depression will make it worse but that's the that Mm -hmm. must be I don't know in my view a a total lie I mean like Mm -hmm. you know for some people taking therapy works for some not for some, I had a guest uh, last week who absolutely love uh, EFT, uh, so mm-hmm. um, emotional freedom technique, you know, and it's just about finding a tool that is uh, right for you, but simply talking in an open, safe space about what you are going through mm-hmm. is healing in itself. You don't have to, sometimes fixing is not through fixing at all, but through simply being mm-hmm. and witnessing your feelings which you have never done before because we have not been told to do that and respect that. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, there is, there is more to that. Yeah. And I think that probably from what I see is, is just the top, top misconceptions that are still there. around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to challenge it. What kind of statistics do you know about postpartum depression right now when it comes to how often women experience it? Yeah. One in five women uh, are have postpartum depression. Um, sometimes the t- the statistics are one in five to seven because they they check different populations, so those numbers vary just slightly. And then it's one in ten men actually experience postpartum depression as well. So men are not not immune to this process, and mm-hmm. it's slowly getting you know more and more statistics as it's becoming safer to talk about but i'm sure there are a ton more statistics out there that that we we just don't know about because people don't come 
forward with it. And I know 88 to 90% of women have intrusive thoughts. So there's only a small portion of women that don't, whether they're big, scary, or mild to moderate, there are some. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Mm -hmm. And then OCD women actually are women that feel and experience the intrusive thoughts more than someone who doesn't have OCD or high anxiety. And so, you know, if you're one that breastfeeds as well, the other caveat that I just recently learned is choosing whenever you're going to wean off of breastfeeding to do it for a little bit longer than someone who doesn't have a history of anxiety or depression, just because of, again, another change that's happening to your body and your routine. It allows you a little bit extra time to process through that when everything else thus far in motherhood has been a sudden change and you've got to really accommodate for that. And, you know, having that anxiety and depression, offering yourself compassion for when it does come up and out because you, you're not alone. One in five to seven women have it. And one in 10 men have it. Um, if you, you know, are in a room of five to 10 people, you, you know, one of those is going to have it. So just, you know, being compassionate with new moms as well. If you're listening and you're not one who has a child recently, but know of somebody, just be compassionate towards them and ask little things, not big questions like, how can I help? Because they're already, I guarantee you, trying to process a lot of big questions like that, that whatever you can do to take the burden off of another big decision or another big change will really really benefit them yeah that's very important guess what you are saying uh yeah i totally agree yes wondering in my mind to the back to the time when my daughter was born and what you said about kind of who you can speak to or who you cannot speak to because obviously you have loving family but you really mm-hmm. wanna I, at least I, I wanted to speak to someone who just really hear me and understand me and you can't expect your partner or husband to really understand what you are going through. I mean, I, I don't think it's even fair to expect that uh, and being angry mm-hmm. on, on them that they don't get it because they won't get it. They, they, they are men. They did not go through it. You know, I think that's why, I mean, speaking to another person, ideally mom who maybe is um, ahead of you and who know exactly what it means to go through it i think that 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 is powerful or just with other moms who are actually right now going through so that element of of support mm-hmm. is incredibly imp- important i i honestly believe uh, that in a sort of like uh, communities uh, groups for moms mother circles women circles uh, are mm-hmm. just the way forward so i wonder i wonder what you think and perhaps what, what advice do you have for moms who might be hesitant to seek support or share their struggles, but actually know that they really need help. Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice is trust your intuition. How to do that? I know it's kind of hard. Yeah. I was going to say, I know it's kind of hard in that first, first time period, just after having the babe, because you know, your mind's not entirely hundred percent there. Um, But just, you'll know when, the time is to reach out for support Mm -hmm. um maybe it's a breaking point hopefully it doesn't get to that point um but just recognize your body and what it's telling you those techniques i mentioned earlier the checking in and breathing into those tense areas using that check-in 
to ensure that do I feel safe in my body? Does my the area around me feel safe? And utilizing that as your intuitive speak to yourself and reach out, find the people that are closest to you that you can turn to with a safe, non-judgmental reciprocation and voice what you need. It's going to be hard at first, but the more, more you do it, you're going to continue to shed light on the possibility of breaking free from this kind of cage or shell that you're in. I think my gut answer is just to stick to that intuitive, intuitive sign that you will receive if you're in a position to. Is it about uh, trust and intuitive like... sign or perhaps simply courage and the aspect of shame? Uh, because if we deep inside believe that mm -hmm. having troubles, you know, entire shame and mom guilt, it plays tremendous role here. And it's not obviously mm -hmm. our fault. This is construct, social construct. And it's just almost like ingrained in us mothers through, through you know, mm -hmm. I think so, societal programming over, you know, centuries. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I think there is not enough of conversation about the aspect that, okay, well, you logically know that support is the way, that talking to someone is the way, that asking for help is the way, uh, but mm -hmm. actually is not that easy. We know that. So the question is, the real value is in helping mothers and make that first step, whether that is about mm -hmm. courage or whether that is about reframing certain beliefs around what weakness is and is not, whether that's about breaking mm -hmm. taboo around postpartum depression. Um, there are, I think there are many aspects of that step before you even reach out to anything, uh, anyone. I wonder if there is anything that you could perhaps add when it comes to that. Maybe when it, when it comes to work with your clients. So um, what is the step before for them? Why did they decide to reach to you, for example? Because that also yeah. requires courage to work with a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's just, well, at least what I've seen from my clients is they kind of hit their breaking point and the sign is put right in front of them, whether it's a post or a video or whatever pops up on their feed and they say, oh, well, that could totally help. I'm going to just let faith take the wheel and reach mm -hmm. out. Um, that's what I've seen happen more often than you know, me reaching out directly. And there's a certain power and empowerment behind that because it's, it's the client coming forward saying, I'm not sure exactly what I need, but I got this sign and I think this might be it. This is what's going on. And mm -hmm. then we just, we just work through it um, on the different levels of that. But I think it's just remembering that you're a mom, you're caring for another human being in addition to yourself, the amount of power and strength that you have within tapping into that and reminding yourself on a daily basis, whether it's a minute or five minutes a day to celebrate the little wins that you've had. Even if it's, I woke up today and fed my baby and myself and that's it. I think utilizing your inner power to then in the next step, provide yourself with courage to reach out to somebody. Maybe it's just a random person you find online or it's a flyer you see in a coffee shop or something that you just follow that nudge until until you get get the answer that you need 
Yeah, or even for listening to podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And, yes, uh, yes, exactly. Listen and yeah, that, that could be just the right time and space for reaching out. Yeah, so I think it's, it's really important. Something that just crossed my mind, but um, I forgot to mention is that when we were talking about uh, depression, another aspect was mattresses versus depression because mattresses has got, you know, um, very valuable kind of uh, lessons around that entire transition into motherhood. And very often doctors, because they are not educated about mattresses, they actually misdiagnose um, saying that this is depression, but actually that, that is mattresses because the natural element of transition into motherhood is actually sadness, is actually feeling out mm-hmm. of place, is everything that we kind of experience as kind of normal thing. Um, Mm -hmm. of course without any sort of like severe kind of symptoms but I think that is something that uh, I don't see kind of like much conversation about this like postpartum depression versus mattresses just making sure Mm -hmm. where 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 is the line and you know that's something that crossed my mind there was something else but I forgot (laughs) (laughs) anyways but (laughs) there is undeniably quite a lot of work to be done on a social level on a societal level is probably the, the most tricky here um right mm-hmm. what else i wanted to ask you uh toward the end maybe actually before i move on to my very last final uh favorite question um <laughs> can you give like some summary of of the key steps that uh, moms can actually take from to move from the darkness to light to f- find that inner light yeah I think it goes back to your question about the the steps to take initially recognizing that you are in a darkness and calling that out. Um, I think it's powerful to to realize and speak out about things that are that are built up inside of us. So calling out the darkness and then taking a moment to celebrate how far you've come and what all you have endured through whatever time frame your journey has been and then you know checking in with your body what does your body need maybe it's a nap maybe it's a little bit of self care maybe it's a walk maybe it's a deep breath and then allowing you from that space to make then an intuitive decision to move forward with support or just by yourself uh, maybe it's just i'm deciding to be a little lighter and brighter today. Maybe you put on your favorite shirt um, and you you go do something with your baby or just by yourself. Right. And uh, if you were invited to speak at TED conference, that's my question, <laughs> and you have one idea really worth sharing with the world, what would that be? Mm, I like that question. I think it's just speaking about the fact that more people in this world have postpartum depression or a mood disturbance of some kind than we talk about and just openly talking about it um, and holding space for anyone in the audience because I guarantee there would be someone in the audience that has it and holding space for potentially them to share their story and just have have a space to recognize and validate that any woman that becomes a mother is not alone whether you have some kind of diagnosis or not. We all go through these identity shifts in becoming a mother and it's scary and holding an arena of women to know that they're not alone 
is more powerful, I think, than puking up a bunch of information. Yeah, and to know that this doesn't mean that you are not enough in any way. Absolutely. Brilliant, thank you. Uh, Kelsey, can you tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram. It is under Kelsey Gover. Um, and everything that you need as far as, you know, booking calls or links or whatever are both on each of those platforms. And you provide uh, one-on-one consultations? I do. I provide one-on-one coaching for Mm -hmm. three or six months at a time. One to two initial conversations are complimentary just so that we can get the lay of the land of each other and make sure it's a good fit before moving forward. And I am working through my first group, Mama, You Are Not Alone, um, right now. It is four sessions total. So a month's time span to just come to a space to be seen and heard about whatever it is you're working through and receive some coaching or just receive support from hearing other people talk about what they need support around. So that's a group group space that's in progress now, but there will be more coming in the future as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights. I find this really valuable to create space for conversation like that so thank you very much and wishing you all the best in on your journey of helping you know moms and not only moms find that inner light and shine thank you for having me much appreciated thank you so much for joining me mama if you enjoyed this episode i would love for you to leave me a review and subscribe to be notified when the next episode drops If you would like to connect with me, you can find me over at Instagram where my handle is at firestartamum. Looking forward to see you back here soon for the next chat. Bye for now.